Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom, but most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong. Let's get started. I'm incredibly grateful that you could join me for this, the 100th episode of the Christian Single Moms podcast. Wow. (laughs) I am just so overwhelmed and just so grateful to be a part of your journey and to have you as a part of mine. I started this podcast about two years ago, back at the end of 2019, and I'm just astonished at how much it's grown. We're now in 52 countries around the world, and the listenership is not even only single moms. I hear a lot from married women and single women without kids and even single dads who are listening to the show and that God is just doing some pretty remarkable things in the lives of the people who listen. So with that being said, We are expanding the ministry next year, and early next year, you'll see that we'll return with a new look and feel. But I want you to know that the Christian Single Moms podcast will still be here. It will still be dedicated to single moms, and the ministry will continue to have single moms-only spaces so that you can uniquely and safely explore this journey of single motherhood. I want you to know that we're very prayerful about the direction of this ministry as it continues to grow. We want to honor the community that exists and the listeners who have been faithfully following along with us, but we also do feel the calling to move into some spaces perhaps that we had not been able to minister to before. We recently put out a survey, and many of you actually said that you are also sharing this ministry with other people outside of the single mom experience. And so we're considering all the feedback that we're receiving, and we'll be giving you more details in the weeks to come. Now on with this week's episode. Before I get too far down the track here, if you're new with us, I am your host, Michelle Donnelly. Today's conversation centers around the differences between introverts and extroverts. I am joined by author and introvert, Holly Girth. Holly has done extensive work in the area of introversion and has provided some pretty incredible insights when it comes to understanding the differences between the ways that introverts and extroverts experience the world. Believe it or not, we actually see happiness differently. It's really fascinating. And I've found Holly's work to be so helpful in helping me to understand the people around me, especially when it comes to raising my kids, and also just to get a better sense of how God has uniquely designed me. These differences go so much deeper than just a personality test. They can actually be observed in the hardwiring of our brains. Holly's going to help us understand then what truly is meant by introversion and extroversion and debunk some myths. If you're enjoying the podcast, would you take a moment and leave a ranking or a review wherever it is that you listen to this podcast? It helps other women to find our community and just let them know that there's a place that they belong. You may have guessed this already, but I am an extrovert. But I will say I have a very intellectual side and a little bit of social anxiety that keeps me probably a little more on the low-key end of things. But I just enjoyed this conversation with Holly because 
it just gave me such an appreciation for the differences and the uniquenesses that God has put in each one of us. Here is my conversation with Holly Girth. Holly, I'm so glad to have you with me today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad to be with you. Holly, I am a watcher of people. I am that girl who will get into a restaurant and sit with a chair that faces the room. So I have the ability to see what's going on and discern patterns. And something I really am actually leery about is a lot of personality tools because sometimes I just don't know that they're necessarily based in something that's really solid. And something I enjoyed though about your work as far as it relates to introverts and extroverts is there are some neurological differences here that can actually point to God's design, unique design of each of us. So can you shed some light on that for us? Sure. Yeah. I first found out I was an introvert in college and I heard it in a campus ministry setting. And all I knew was that, okay, I think I sort of fit in this box, but I didn't really understand it until much later when I went through a season of burnout because I kept trying to be an extrovert Mm. and that just wasn't how God wired me. And so I did start digging into the research and discovered, like you said, the brains of introverts and extroverts are actually wired a little differently and our nervous systems too. So I think about all the complementary pairings in the creation story, day and night, land and sea. I think another intentional one is introvert, extrovert. So some quick examples, extroverts prefer a neurotransmitter, which is called dopamine. So it acts kind of like caffeine. It revs us up, prepares us for action. It's released when we have a lot coming at us from the outside. So sound, light, what we see. And introverts naturally have a level of dopamine that feels pretty good to them. And so we prefer a different one called acetylcholine, which works more like herbal tea. It's released when we do more calming activities like turning inward, focusing Mm -hmm. deeply on a project, having a one-on-one conversation where there's less coming at us from the outside. Mm -hmm. So that is one major difference. And we even use different brain pathways for processing. So extroverts use one that's shorter, faster, more focused on the present. That's why you extroverts are great at that quick back and forth style of conversation (laughs) that sometimes as introverts, we envy and introverts, we use a longer, more complex brain pathway that takes into account the past, present, and future. So that means while it may take us longer to respond, what we do share is going to be thoughtful and perhaps add some new insight to the conversation. And so you can see how those two could work well together, especially like Mm -hmm. if you're in a meeting where a decision needs to be made. So the extroverts can be like, let's do this. And the introvert's going to say, let's think about this. Mm -hmm. And that back and forth makes things work well together. And so those are just a few examples of how I really do believe God designed us intentionally in different ways. I love that you put together that there are some pairings that are contrasting, but complementary that God has all through creation, day and night, for example. And I agree with you, as I've seen in my relationships with people who are not wired the same way, how that grows me and stretches me, even with my children. Now that I have the ability to identify this tendency that's more even hardwired, 
I can relate to my kids so much better and just see like, oh, this is, you're experiencing the world completely differently from me. And so rather than, I think sometimes we can be drawn towards insecurity or frustration when we assess that things are different, we can actually look at it and see the strengths that are in it. But, and I think this comes out with kids. Sometimes there are characteristics that are inherent to an introvert or extrovert. And sometimes there are things though that are myths that can cause us to perhaps sit underneath that and say, oh, well, this is just the way that I am, but they're not exactly true and they're not really even maybe even healthy behaviors. So can you point out for us some of those characteristics of introverts and perhaps what some of those myths are? Sure. So one myth is that being an introvert is the same as being shy. And that's not true at all. They're actually really different. So shyness is based in fear. And introversion is like we just talked about a preference for less stimulating environments. So two totally different things. So an extrovert can feel shy if they're going into a party being like, oh, no, I feel awkward. I'm going to be totally happens to me. (laughs) Yeah, it happens to all of us, right? Yeah. And so an introvert may go into that same party and not talk as much, but not be battling those fears. They're just happy observing or having a few conversations. And so that's one myth that they're actually totally different. And then I think another myth related to that is that introverts are somehow less social than extroverts. And we're actually equally social, just in different ways. So for example, an extrovert might really enjoy a lively dinner party. And an introvert might feel like that's a little bit too much. I'd rather have coffee with one friend. And of course, I'm using stereotypes. Mm -hmm. There are definitely extroverts who would pick the coffee and the introvert who loves hospitality. But in general, that tends to be more true. And so that's another example that just because the way we relate to people looks different doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that introverts are any less people focused or loving or any of those things. We just express it differently. Mm -hmm. And I think what you pointed to there is that there's a spectrum here. Yeah. And I have wrestled with this actually trying to determine because I am extroverted, but not so extroverted. And I always am kind of questioning myself, is this fear? Is this shyness? Or is this actually a tendency for me to want to absorb more information before I step into something? It really can be hard to know the difference. But I think as we grow and mature and learn from people and uh, really question, though, what those tendencies are, that's where we can move forward. And I think that's also where we can say to ourselves, though I might be introverted or extroverted, I have an invitation always to grow and stretch a little bit into areas I'm not as comfortable Absolutely. And like you said, it's a continuum and we all need both our introvert and extrovert sides. It's kind of like being right or left-handed. You wouldn't tie one hand behind your back and say, I'm right-handed, so I don't need my left hand. Mm -hmm. You know, just because Mm -hmm. you're an extrovert, you still need your introvert side and introverts Mm -hmm. need their extrovert side. It's just that one is more naturally dominant. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just saying, you know, what are the situations where it works best to lead with my introvert or extrovert side, which comes more naturally? And then what are the times that 
because it's a cause I really believe in or a relationship I want to support or something where I'm going to choose to tap into that other side of who I am. And so I think you said it exactly right, that we need both and we're on a continuum. And I know that that's another reason we need each other. Like when Mm -hmm. I go to a conference, I quickly try to find what I call a designated extrovert (laughs) to help me work the room, you know, and then if someone wants to like talk to you for two hours, they're like, you take this one. So I think both within ourselves and in Mm -hmm. our relationships, covering that whole continuum can be really helpful. That's really good. And I think though, the thing that can be frustrating is though we need each other, there can be some spots where this leads to some miscommunications because we don't realize that people are having completely different experiences in the world. In your book, you mention the differences even in the way that we experience happiness. Can you highlight that, for example? Yeah, that was one of the biggest aha moments I had. So because of the neurotransmitters I talked about, dopamine and acetylcholine, extroverts and introverts do experience happiness slightly differently. So for extroverts, it's more dopamine-based. So it looks like enthusiasm and excitement. For introverts, where it's more acetylcholine-based, it looks like calm and contentment. (laughs) So you can imagine a scenario where two friends are trying to plan maybe a vacation together. And one is saying, let's go on a cruise and do every outing and be with people all the time. And the other is saying, I would really love to sit on the deck and read every day (laughs) and, you know, have some quiet time. And so I think just knowing that about each other, because then once you do, you can just work it out and be like, all right, we'll go on this excursion. We'll skip this one. We'll figure out a plan that works for both of us. But it also helps us not worry about each other, especially Mm -hmm. for extroverts to worry about their introverts. Uh, A lot of times I'll have someone come up to me when I'm totally happy just hanging out and saying, are you okay? You're being really quiet. And actually me being really quiet probably means I'm content and just Mm -hmm. taking it all in. Mm -hmm. And so I think a question that's powerful in our relationships is always, how can I love you well right now? Mm-hmm. Because with the best of intentions, we just naturally love each other the way we want to be loved. And we try to make each other happy the way that some things would make us happy. Mm-hmm. And then it can be really confusing when it's a miss, mm-hmm. you know, and one person feels unappreciated, the other feels misunderstood, and everybody is just trying to have great relationships. And so having a conversation with the close people in your life where you ask, what are your happiness synonyms? Like, tell me about how it feels feels to be happy without using the word happy can be really powerful. And then saying, okay, here's what that looks like for me. Now, how do we make sure we have both of those present in our relationship and in our lives together? I did this experiment with my family. I, my dad is an extrovert. My mom is an introvert. And I asked them, I said, dad, if you feel happy, how does that feel? And he was just saying like excited and energized. And I said, mom, what is, what is happy to you? And she said, oh, relaxed. And then my oldest daughter, same thing. She walks in the room and I said, what do you associate when you hear the word happy? And she said, relax. And I was like, oh my goodness, (laughs) this is so like deeply underneath there, but you're right. Because My mom and dad then kind of laughed at how often my dad says to my mom, are you okay? (laughs) Are you having a good time? And she's always like, no, I'm fine. And over, I mean, they've been married over 40 years. So he now can take her at face value and say, Hey, Mm -hmm. if she says she's happy, she's happy. But I know even watching their relationship grow over time, that that was a source of tension for a long time, just really not 
understanding each other and we layer our own experiences sometimes and project what we experience onto somebody else. And the more that we just recognize like, wow, no, we really are walking through this world with completely different lenses on, then Mm -hmm. we have more of an ability to have an appreciation for where everybody's at and just uh, be more sensitive to what each of us needs. Mm -hmm. So as far as those needs though, Holly, whether we are an introvert and we're starting to recognize like, wow, I do get overwhelmed actually a lot. Or if we notice that about our children, how can we go about honoring those different needs? Well, I think just acknowledging, you know, introverts do need solitude and letting that happen without guilt or shame, either the introvert guilting or shaming themselves or anyone in the household saying, Hey, you need to come out already. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think that's important and understanding the difference between solitude and isolation. So isolation is what was described when in Genesis, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. That actually is not about physical aloneness. It's about disconnection more on a soul level, Mm. like feeling isolated and cut off from other people where solitude is time apart chosen for a purpose. And it actually strengthens relationships long-term because introverts in particular come back renewed and ready to go and ready to reconnect. And so I think it's important if you have an introvert in your life to say, okay, this person isn't choosing to be away from me they're actually doing what they need to, to ensure they'll be fully present when we're together. Mm. Like, even though they're taking time apart, they're actually saying your relationship matters so much to me that I'm going to make sure I can be fully present Mm. because that's one of my biggest fears. Like when I hit my done point as an introvert, it's beyond, like I hit a wall and my biggest fear is that someone I love will be standing in front of me and I won't be able to show them how much I really do love Mm -hmm. them. And so the best thing for me to do for my relationships is to make sure I get some solitude as well. So I can fully show up when I am with people. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's an important thing to understand that Solitude can be very relational when it comes to introverts. Mm -hmm. And so I think for extroverts, there's probably an equivalent need, you know, that you could probably tell me about. Yes. Uh, And that introverts need to know, okay, like my person, one thing I learned, I have a very extroverted daughter, Mm -hmm. is that extroverts need a response when you're communicating with them. Yes. And introverts, (laughs) we like to process completely and then Mm -hmm. give you the finished product. But Mm -hmm. that can look like disengagement, I Mm -hmm. discovered, to extroverts. And so introverts knowing, okay, you at least need to smile and nod and say, I hear you. I need to think about this, but it matters to you. So it matters to me. Mm. You know, give me five minutes or whatever it is, but just make sure to visibly and verbally respond. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. So that's something that introverts can practice doing for extroverts. You know, and I think that's fascinating what you just mentioned, because literally it's a dopamine hit, that connection, anytime Mm -hmm. that I have connection and I feel it, I feel like the energy and the excitement that's coursing through my body when I'm feeling understood. And when I know that that person is at least listening. And I think what's sticky about that sometimes though, is it means we process sometimes in person and out loud. And mm-hmm. so then we're not really sure if you're quiet, like, are you receiving me? Or are you judging me? Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's a little bit unnerving, but I think we have to be careful too, because that can scoot into validation and that can scoot into even some places perhaps where if we have a trauma response that's being triggered, we may mm. already be more likely to be in that 
sympathetic nervous system that is fight or flight. That's always feeling revved up and ready to go. And I noticed that the more I worked through my trauma, the less I needed that dopamine hit. Wow. So, and I think that's why important. It's so important. We can't just say, oh, it's because I'm extroverted. There's Mm -hmm. other factors in play. Just as on the flip side, we can't just say, oh, well, you know, just because I'm introverted, that means that's why I'm pulling back because there can be points where if our trauma response is more uh, freeze or dissociate that we pull way back, we do isolate. This is not recharging anymore. This is a disconnect because there is a fear that's happening there. There's a a, a triggered response that's going on there. And so we have to know in balance though. And this is why we're so good for each other is to say, Hey, I just want to check on you. And make sure that this is really just you're wanting some time to recharge versus you're feeling fearful or feeling triggered. And I just want you to know I'm here for you. And I think it's so important to just be available. Yeah. No matter what it is, but that we have to recognize that sometimes these different parts of our central nervous system that we operate from, some of that is based in whether introvert or extrovert, but some of that can also be connected to trauma. Yes, absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up. You're right. Because any behavior characteristic taken to an extreme mm-hmm. becomes unhelpful. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, absolutely. Looking out for those things in ourselves, looking out for those signs in each other. And I think just asking, what does this ultimately lead to in my life? Like I've struggled with depression. And so I know what it means to isolate. Mm-hmm. And I can tell when I'm isolating because it never makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. And I never get to the point where I feel like reconnecting. I just keep pulling back. And so I know if I I've had a reasonable amount of time alone and I'm still like wanting to withdraw, then that's a huge red flag for me Mm. because the healthy side is a little bit of time. And then I can feel it. I can feel that pull back toward people, back toward engagement, back toward everything. And my energy levels going up. And I would think with an extrovert, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that when you're in that place that it may feel like no affirmation is never is ever enough mm-hmm. you know yes. like it's pouring water into a bucket with a hole with a hole in the bottom mm-hmm. yeah so true and so that's sort of the equivalent of just if we're in a place where whatever it is we're trying to get just feels like never enough never alone time never enough alone time never enough affirmation mm-hmm. that's a warning sign where wow. if it is healthy then you get affirmed in a way that encourages you and empowers you. And then you're ready to go kick butt some more. You know? That's right. That's right. And ultimately. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I would say if someone's going, I don't know if this is healthy or unhealthy in my life. That's one thing to look at is, mm. is this something that refuels me like filling up a gas tank and then I go on, or is it like, I'm just standing there with a the pump in and it's just never, ever enough. Mm. And, you know, at that point, tell a trusted friend, see a counselor. I'm a huge fan of, counseling and, or a life coach is someone in your life to say, Hey, I'm feeling a little stuck here. In some ways, this is a really important part of who I am, but I know when it gets out of balance and I can feel that right now, Mm. because there are some great strategies and things that can be used just to get things back into better alignment. Mm, That's so good. And I think one of the things I've noticed in my life is sometimes I don't know, and I don't know if this is more of an extroverted thing, but I don't know when I've already drifted off into this. And very often it's my introverted friends who are able to notice it before I do. And just having those safe people though, who are that watchful and that careful 
and yeah. can just step into that vulnerability with you and say, Hey, I've noticed some things. And similarly, you know, it's um, sometimes for my introverted friends where I'm able to inject a little bit of understanding, but then also maybe something to draw yeah, out when absolutely. they're ready, but mm-hmm. it's knowing how to approach that. Like I can't come in guns blazing <laughs> <laughs> because that can be really overwhelming. Right. Yeah, but absolutely. You're so right. I mean, that's a gift that extroverts have is getting us out of our heads sometimes. Mm-hmm. And like you said, an introvert gift is getting into yours sometimes. Yes. yes. So again, I think that like we've been saying, just better together, especially mm. when we have each other's backs, because yeah. we we will see blind spots in each other mm. that it's harder to pick up on, especially when we're in a hard place, you know, because it's just it, like you said, I think often we don't know when we first start going there. And to have people in our lives who have permission to say, hey, you know, you're not yourself right now. How can we work through this together? That's a that's a gift. Mm-hmm. I'd like to take a short break from our conversation to mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available on the go. And it works through an app where you are able to schedule video sessions or just chat with your counselor throughout the course of the week. And I found that having the combination of Christian teaching and counseling together was so encouraging and so healing for me. If you have been considering Christian counseling and you would like to give Faithful Counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. Holly, how do you see this playing out in a spiritual context, in our spiritual relationships, both with each other in a community, but then also in the way that we experience life with God? Yeah, I think right now we're at a time in history where church culture overall leans more extroverted. Mm -hmm. And it's been opposite at different times. There's been times when it was probably a little too introverted. And so for introverts in particular, I think we can think that the number of people in my life equals how much I love Jesus and other people. I felt like that for a long time. I felt guilty that like, I don't necessarily feel drawn to going on a mission trip with a lot of strangers or small group is sometimes really awkward for me, or I actually wear earplugs sometimes in our service, even though I can still hear everything, but it's out of volume. I can take in better as an introvert and just understanding when I look throughout all of scripture, there's nothing about quantity. It's all about the quality of how we treat whoever is right in front of us in that moment. I think that the phrase one another is used for a reason. Mm. It's one person at a time. And so for introverts just to hear, it's okay if how you love Jesus and how you love other people looks different. It may be that you feel closer to God on a walk alone in the woods than you do at church on Sunday morning. And that's totally okay because it's in alignment with who he made you. And so I've gotten a lot of letters from introverts saying, that's how I feel. I feel out of place at church. I feel out of place in group settings. And I worry that it says something about how much I love God. And Mm -hmm. I just want us to get rid of that myth and say, you know, introverts have just as much to contribute at church and in other spiritual settings as they do anywhere else. And that again, we're better together. And Mm -hmm. 
and recognizing that for a long time, some of the things that come naturally to introverts have been an important part of spiritual life. Like if you walk into an old cathedral in Europe, you automatically lower your voice, you slow your pace, you have the sense that you're stepping away from everyday life. You start acting more like an introvert, Mm -hmm. ironically. Mm -hmm. And I think because of the culture we're in right now, we've just lost a little bit of that, that extroverts, you know, we love them for their ability to reach out and bring people in for your enthusiasm and ability to outwardly express your faith. There's so many strong qualities that extroverts bring to life in Jesus. I just want my introvert brothers and sisters to know that they have so much of value to add as well. Mm, That's so good. I love what you're pointing to here with some of the denominational differences almost as well, Yeah, because I grew up in a denomination that was more reverent. And so walking into that sort of an environment, the atmosphere just completely shifts and you're greater connected to that sense of awareness that this is holy, that this is sacred. But yet also I've been in charismatic churches where, especially me as an extrovert, I love being able to express myself emotionally in worship, just completely crying and hands raised and all that kind of thing. But I know that not everybody feels that way. And I could see very easily, especially in our sort of American church culture, that it would be easy then to assume that maybe one is more spiritual than the other, but both are deeply spiritual, deeply connected to the heart of God and our comfort zones. We can grow beyond those, but we can also have an appreciation for what seems to be the most natural for us. Yeah, definitely. And I think we can ask ourselves, how do I most naturally connect with people? Hmm. That's probably how we most naturally connect with God too. You know, I love a meaningful one-on-one conversation with my best friend. I love the same with Jesus when Hmm. I have quiet time, you know, to focus on that. And so I think that can be a question that helps us start looking at it differently. But again, like I appreciate extroverts like you, because sometimes I could spend all my spiritual time by myself praying. Mm -hmm. And then if I'm doing that, I'm missing out on the part of the gospel that is the invitation of Jesus to engage with others. And Mm -hmm. so not to give ourselves a pass to say, okay, because I'm wired this way or that way, I get to skip this part of spiritual life, but just being intentional about saying, what does this look like? How has God wired me? How does that play out in my one-on-one relationship with him? How does it play out in my relationship with others? What rhythms and disciplines of spirituality are going to grow my faith? And just setting aside anything that we have taken on as a should, that is not from God, Mm. that it's just a cultural norm or the way it is in a particular church or maybe in our family growing up, just pausing to examine those things and saying, you know what? God made each of us, he says it fearfully and wonderfully. And so I have something to contribute as I am introvert or extrovert. Mm, I love that. I have something to contribute. I think that is so important, no matter how we come at this. Sometimes there's an insecurity that can dig in here. Either I am too much or I am not enough. And understanding though, that we're just different. There's no judgment in there. It's just some differences. And together, that's the beautiful kaleidoscope that is diversity amongst people. Holly, if we embrace that though, if we embrace these differences, how then does that affect the way that we would experience the way we live out 
the purpose that God has for us? I think it, like I was saying, just helps us get really intentional about his purpose for us. Because if we don't know that clearly, then someone else is always going to be willing to tell us who we should be, what we should do. And we can fall into traps like comparison or insecurity, just chasing after things that God has never said we have to pursue. And that was my story. I, when I started publishing books and speaking, I just told myself like who I am is inadequate. Mm -hmm. I need to be more like these other women that I really admire. And I tried to fit myself into a mold that just didn't fit who God made me. And I remember being at a conference. I'd been the keynote the night before and Sunday morning worship. Like I just started crying and I felt like God was saying, Holly, it's time to go home. And I knew he meant get on a plane, go home, take a long nap, but also go home to who I created you to be. And that's really when I started writing this book, even though it wouldn't get published for like five years later, but the inner process of it really started at that moment of returning to who God made me and saying, it is good. He looked over all he made and mm -hmm. said, it is good. And that's true of us too. And so I think there's freedom when we're able to let go of the ideas of who we're supposed to be and instead really understand and embrace who God created us to be. And when we do that, we can most effectively serve others as well. That's so beautiful. I love that there's a process in this too. And I think even as we're talking about the word process, processing, that there's going to be some different ways that we're going to arrive at that. And even still, there may be a stretching though. And God is perhaps going to give us the inclination to start in one place, but he's always going to move us through process. And yeah. so even in saying, it, you know, this process to get to this book was five years for you to a person like me, who's on the like go and moves really quickly. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> but so what did that feel like for you? Well, it was long. I did, didn't start the writing that early, but mm -hmm. that's usually how books happen in my life. I have to live the message before I can write the message. Mm -hmm. And so God does a lot of inner work mm -hmm. in me before I can ever do the outer work of writing. So mm -hmm. that's, I appreciate that I get to write because it's the way I experience transformation. I always feel like I'm a listener first and a writer second. Mm -hmm. And that was definitely true with this book. Something you point out in your book too is knowing those gifts, knowing that as an introvert, you may be more of a listener. And so we can start to assess where we're able to plug in, just where God has us in our day to day, as far as who He's calling us to right now, who we're walking through life with. That if we know this is my strength, then I'm going to look for places that I can plug in and do those things. Just like for me, it's knowing I'm more of an encourager. So wherever I am planted, who can I encourage? And how should that look though? Encouragement doesn't always mean like high fives and an attaboy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that is just being present. And that mm -hmm. means learning the discipline of having to slow down, even though I'm always on the go, 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 but recognizing that there are places where all of those things fit in. And so even if we don't know like dramatically what this big calling could be, or that it's a big book that's being written in our lives, mm -hmm. that even just knowing some of the strengths that come along. And then also some of that means then some of the deficiencies that other people may be experiencing that we have the ability to just plug right in there and be the hands and feet. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think we tend to look at our purpose as something big, but I think it's just saying the next yes, wherever Mm. we are. It's just saying, okay, God, I'm listening. I'm engaged with you. And whatever you ask next of me, I'm going to say yes. Mm. And then we do it over and over and over again. And I think that is our purpose. Mm. And sometimes it looks like writing one more word. Sometimes it looks like saying one more encouraging word to a friend it plays out differently in each of our lives and each of our days. But I think that's really the heart of it, that if we're looking for a purpose, we only need to look down to where our feet are standing mm-hmm. right in this moment, because Jesus is within us and that makes it sacred ground. Mm, so good. And I think here, one of the things we may rub up against though, as we start to step into this is some of that insecurity, some of those lies, some shame, some just tricks of the enemy to get us to believe that the way we might be wired has an inherent problem with it. That, as I said before, we're either too much or we're not enough. And we have the ability, though, to talk with God about what his design was, what his intention is in creating us this way, and to recognize that there may be limitation in that, but we don't always have to view limitation as something that is wrong, but that's a process, right? And so when people have heard us, sometimes we go into these zones where we just don't even want to use the thing that we've been gifted with because it's painful. It's been painful. And I know for me, it's been this sense that if I speak up, it will be embarrassing that if I open my mouth, I might say the wrong thing. I am constantly in prayer, like, Lord, just please work in my mouth and don't let me say anything Mm -hmm. that I shouldn't say. But with that, there's still going to be some growing and stretching. But having safe people around us, though, I think helps to soothe over that, that the Lord would work through each of us to just replace those lies with truth, where we could really start to see our blessings through other people's eyes. And I had to start actually listening to people. So when they would say, hey, this is a strength that you have, or this is, you do this and this is unique. I can't do that. That I had to really slow down and listen and go, oh, I didn't realize that not everybody experiences life the same way. Not everybody can do this other thing. So it's just just a gradual growing process though. And sometimes it's going to be a little bit of trial and error. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think knowing too, that all of us have that kind of fear that when we start using our gifts, we're going to feel awkward, uncomfortable, unqualified, afraid, Um, the list goes on and on and that is universal. There's no one who gets a pass on that. That is part of the deal. And all it means is that what we're doing matters to us. I realized that fear happens when something matters to us. Mm -hmm. If we care about speaking words of encouragement, we're going to experience fear around that. You know, if we care about getting 
words into the world, then I'm going to be terrified every time I launch a book. And thankfully, because of God, we don't have to live in that fear. Yeah. But when it shows up, we can just say, okay, fear is just telling me I'm doing what really matters. Mm. It helps me pay attention. It helps me be engaged. Is there anything useful it's telling me right now? And now, okay, God, I'm giving that fear to you. Replace it with truth and courage and help me move forward anyway. Mm. And so I think we can try so hard to get rid of fear. And instead, it can be helpful to just say it's part of the deal. It's affirmation that I'm using my gifts and stepping out and doing something that really matters. You just set somebody free. That's a whole word right there. (laughs) (laughs) Holly, as we wrap up the conversation, I ask each guest the same question at the very end. And it is, if there was just one thing that you'd want a single mom to know, what would it be? Well, one of my favorite quotes is by Jill Churchill, and it says, there's no way to be a perfect mother and a million ways to be a good one. And so I would want to say to every mama listening, you are a good mama who is called for such a time as this, for such children as God has entrusted into your care. And that makes you the absolute best mom that they could possibly have. And so stay into that, rest in that. You're doing better than you know. You're doing better than it feels on your hard days. And you are designed in the way that your kids need most. You are a gift and a blessing and a treasure. And God's going to give you exactly what you need one moment and one step and one day at a time. So beautiful. Thank you so much for that. (laughs) Holly, tell listeners about your resources and how they can follow along with you. Yes, you can connect me at hollygirth.com, H-O-L-L-E-Y-G-E-R-T-H.com. And you can go to this section that's entitled For Introverts. So click on that. It has info about the book. It also has a quiz called What Percent Introvert Are You? Mm. So introvert or extrovert, you can find out how much introvert you have in you. And there are some other helpful tools and resources there too. So I would love for everybody to stop by. I need to go take that quiz. I am so curious. (laughs) Well, and I'll include links down in the show notes to make it easier for listeners to find you and the resources. But thank you so much for sitting down with me today, Holly. Thank you so much for having me. I have not taken a break from producing an episode of the Christian Single Moms podcast since back in June of 2020. So it's time for me to take a little time off. Over the next two weeks, I will be recuperating and getting ready, but we will return at the beginning of 2022 with a fresh new batch of episodes. In the meantime, if you enjoyed this conversation, I can suggest a couple of others for you. Check out episode 91, Your Spiritual Gifts, Experiencing the Power of God in Your Life and Relationships with Ashley Morgan Jackson. Also, you might like episode 89, Meeting Your Match, How to Know What You're Looking For and Date in Ways to Find It with Dr. Christy Kadarian. As we take a pause here to celebrate Christmas and the coming of Christ, I just want you to know that I'm so grateful for you and that I am praying blessings over you and your children this Christmas and New Year. As we wrap up the conversation, I'd like to draw your attention to a couple of resources available for you in the show notes. The first is our guided scripture meditation that goes along with each and every episode that you can find at the Agape Moms YouTube channel. Also, there's a link there to follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Agape Moms and to join the private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. 
Lastly, if you'd like to spend some time reflecting in prayer on what you've learned in this episode, check out the link for our free podcast pages, journaling pages. Thanks for spending time with me today. I'm praying for you and that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.